You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy. And we're live. Welcome, people. How are you doing? And it's 14th of January 2022. Just in case we're, I don't know, 100 years in the future and someone's found this file somewhere. Um, it's the Sports Therapy Association podcast, and we've been out for the last 103 Tuesdays now, pretty much every Tuesday at eight o'clock in the evening. So if you're watching this um, on YouTube, the recording, or if you're listening to the podcast on any popular podcast app, um, do join us live if you can, if it's in your time zone, because it gives you a chance to speak to the guests directly, to network. And when you do come into the live lounge um any questions you ask, I can bring up onto screen and you get to flash your nice Facebook or YouTube logo. And pretty much there's a strong chance, especially in the UK, you will meet other people from the industry who maybe are in your region. And it's a great way to network, basically. So there you go. That's who we are. My name is Matt Phillips, in case you're not aware who the voice is or, or what the face is. Um, and I'm the host of the Sports Therapy Association podcast and creator of OneChatLive.com. First through the gates now, people are filling up. You can't see this on the podcast, but it's very dramatic seeing people coming in. Um, so Nikki Mansfield is here. Evening all, says Nikki. Hi, Nikki. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Becky Carroll has come in to join us live again. The Faithfuls. Becky, how are you doing, Becky? Second through the gate tonight. And other people are coming in. So if you do want to join us live, like I say, all you've got to do is go along to the YouTube um, channel for Sports Therapy Association. Um, why are we just on YouTube? Because basically Facebook hasn't got a shelf life. It's a con. I'm sorry, I'm saying it out loud now. Do put something on Facebook. Maybe we'll talk about this next week in the social media marketing and stuff. Put something on Facebook. It just disappears. No one else is going to see it apart from people who follow you in your group or something. Um, so YouTube comes up in Google searches. OK, so that's why it's only on YouTube. Now I'm going to get emails saying, Matt, please go on Facebook. No, sorry. It's going to be on YouTube. Um, it's much easier. Just change your life and change your marketing as well, because if you are using Facebook, thinking you know, attract new customers it's not really going to happen much Catherine's in here as well matt's in here as well fantastic people coming in um so we are still well we're in the second episode now for focus on business um the uh responses for last week was great it, it was uh it was a great opening with tim allardyce who um talked about um in his experience and he has got a vast amount of experience with the various ventures he's involved in including rehab my patient and sports injury fix um he talked about what the five most common mistakes are um when trying to run a successful clinic and it was loads of questions and i'm really pleased to say that people have reached out to tim as he offered his support and um it was really cool it was there's some things came up which made me think and i'm sure a lot of people who joined us think um and we're going to continue because i've got two more um, fantastically experienced people from the world of therapy across many, many different disciplines who um, have spoken and helped many therapists over the years. In one of the cases, many, many, many years. In the other cases, just many years. And um, and I'm really keen to bring them up for you. Um, but before we do that, just a little uh, heads up that to make it easier for you, or if you are sharing our show, um, we've now added some tags to the you go to thesta.co.uk let's just bring this up so you can see it um i just thought making it easier for people to access um the podcast um, if you go to the sta.co.uk which is the sta website and, get, and click on the podcast link then you will see now there's some beautiful listen on spotify listen on apple podcasts listen on google podcasts and listen on pocket casts okay so now if you recommend it to someone else or you just want the go to easy place to click and listen to it on on, on um, your device then that's a pretty good base for you to look at and um, so all you need to do that is go to the sta.co.uk and click on the podcast link and they're all there for you um, so i hope that helps you um, let's get rid of that now right so i think that's enough of the introduction um oh just a shout out to the uh wist or women in sports therapy podcast um, I, meant, I meant to mention this. I meant I meant to mention that for the last couple of weeks, but I haven't had any images. So if you go to YouTube, if you like watching videos, um, which you can do, it always stays on YouTube. Then head along to the Sports Therapy Association channel, and you will see um, that all the episodes are there in video glory. And also, you've got uploaded episodes for Women in Sports Therapy podcast um, with. Um, uh, Dr. Fiona Higgs and Deb Sturlow-Rowley. There's already episodes up there for one and two. I think a three is on the way. 
it's been slowed down because of COVID, I believe. But um, there's episode one on periods, excessive blood loss, deficiencies in anemia, signs and symptoms. Anyone who's involved in the STA will know these two speakers already. Uh, really knowledgeable, really nice um, producers of information um, and excellent information for both male and female therapists um, to do with anything to do with women in sports therapy. Uh, episode two is there as well, talking about um, endometriosis, which obviously is something which Deb Sterlavoli knows a lot about, having uh, lived with it for most of her life. So there's a really interesting discussion about that and how that knowledge can help you working with your clients. So do check them out. Obviously, they're available on all podcast apps as well. But if you like to watch the video, um, I do. So I'm kind of biased. That's why I do this live and on video. But if you do want to watch the video, then just head along to the YouTube channel for the Sports Therapy Association. Right. OK, I'm going to get rid of that. That's enough. I've left them long enough now down in the lobby. Um, it's a bit touching earlier on because they use Max, you know, you see that life has been successful for them. But I'm going to bring them up now and uh, we're going to continue with uh, episode two of Focus on Business, which we have entitled um, How to Optimize Client Experience. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy. Gemma Oliver and Andy Hosgood, how are you doing? Hello. 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 <laughs> I'm glad we all got here on time. There's a little bit of fumbling around, wasn't there? A little bit of technical bit, problems. But it's we're, fine. Always, we're always here. I just need to let you know that it's the uh, 14th of June, not January. You've lost six months of your life, Matt, I think. <laughs> oh, I better change that. Yeah, 14th of June. Yeah. 14th of June, just in case anyone's very confused oh, right now. I'm glad you're on the ball. I'm glad one of us is. <laughs> only only sometimes. <laughs> oh, geez. It's been a long day for me. And and yeah, well, I'm not going to give excuses. Yeah, thanks for picking me up on that. That's perfect. Um, so here we go. Um, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate for you giving up your time. Um, so we're going to talk about tonight um, how to optimize client experience. And I think quite a nice way for people who don't know you turn a little bit about you is why what have you done with your what have you done with your careers um that has made me ask you about client experience i.e tell me a little bit about how you've met other clients how you've had an inside look into people's businesses and things and why you think i want you to talk about customer experience in any order whoever you like first i'll go i'll go Go on, I think I, you know, I think my career is quite diverse. I think um, I have had a strong background in sports medicine. So from an athlete setting point of view, what I now do in private practice is try and bring a lot of those aspects that I learnt in sport into private practice. Um, I think the other thing is that I have worked in the NHS, I've worked in private practice, I've worked in the military, I've done some sports stuff. And so, you know, all of those areas look or sound very different, but actually the basics are the same. Um, and I think some of the things that make me successful um, and and as well as working with wonderful people uh, is that the communication that I've developed over the years is, is key to my practice. And I find that that is what makes me sort of good at my job, what helps me to communicate with the team and with clients and patients. And I think having that broad aspect allows me to be able to, to feed it into different environments. And now, you know, which is nice to work in a successful practice. So um yeah i think that's me to start with yeah i think as always i love the people i choose always seem to be so modest you've managed to do all that without kind of mentioning the fact that you set up probably the most informative <laughs> and and helpful support group during a world pandemic on facebook that has ever existed and probably caused about 100 other similar little kind of impersonated kind of little pop groups to appear as well so tell me about that because I know for a start you didn't think it was going to turn out to what it was going to be no and and, and I am I hope I am very proud of it and I don't do it on my own and the, the lovely thing about that group now we are two years on two years and a bit on is that it runs itself you know and I think that speaks volumes for the, the quality of the people and the diverse professions that we have on there um, and it's turned into what was a oh my god what do we do no one has any information about covid people to now a 5,000 network of cross-discipline professionals which is what I'm proud of you know there's lots of different pockets of groups and like you say branches of different things what I like about the Facebook group is that it's diverse and you get different opinions and people pop up every day with questions about oh what do I do um the feedback I get all the time is that they don't feel embarrassed about asking anything and that's lovely feedback to have for a group 
because sometimes it can get a bit insular. Um, but I want, you know, we wanted to create a group where people could ask questions about anything and anything um, and wouldn't feel like it was they were feeling silly or stupid. And so, you know, with topics about business or clinical topics or COVID topics, and it's evolved now into everything um, and tele, you know, video uh, conferences, triaging. So I am proud of it. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, so that is, is nice to be able to set up. But it runs itself and that's lovely you know the people that that are joining in and, and creating that content are the members which is i guess the way it's supposed to be so brilliant so yeah i do recommend it i'm, I'm really hoping that especially i imagine most people in the room know about it because you lot are all kind of health geeks and you you've always got your eyes out there looking for anything which is going to help you which is amazing i'm not talking you down at all i'm hoping that on the couple of thousand people who downloaded you're not aware of that so check out the physio and therapist support group on facebook and it is beautiful it just celebrates the diverseness of having different disciplines sharing problems some of the stuff might not apply to you as much some of it will apply really to you but it's just interesting and if you're a sports therapist or a massage therapist who worries about being on the outside of healthcare provision then that's the place to be because it'll show you how to be part of a multidisciplinary field and it'll give you the confidence to maybe even turn into real life um, networking where you go and see people face to face you know so it's a really healthy place to be we'll make sure that link goes into the um, show notes um talking of diversity and helping clinics and seeing different clinics andy that's definitely your history as well isn't it certainly is mike yeah but first before i do that i think i just want to add because of Gemma's modesty mm. for we're talking about customer experience and one of the things that you know i think Gemma brings to the party which i think is something that can be replicated by anybody is that ability because of her experiences and so many different uh, in sports medicine, the NHS, it's the ability to connect with different people from different backgrounds. So, you know, I always talk around this this ability to be the chameleon therapist so that, you know, you can't just be yourself all the time. Sometimes you've got to be able to adapt to people. And I think what the background Jem's done is she can change who she is and adapt to each and every one. And I think that's something as therapists that's one of the key skills as humans that we can do very, very simply, can't we? We don't, you know, recognising what's going on, but how you can, you know, how they behave and how you can adapt your own behaviour. And I think that's one of, that's Gemma's superpower. If you watch her in clinic, the fact that she can jump from, from one to another. And I think that's definitely something I would suggest if people aren't already analysing that about their own behaviours and how they are with clinics. And that's something that definitely could take from the way she behaves. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> which is mentioned in case people haven't off. sussed it out yeah, you, guys, theory, yeah. <laughs> you do work in the same clinic so and that's really interesting as well because we were talking a bit off air it's 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 what did you say the kind of proportions of different disciplines were in that are in in your clinic so we're 50 50 so we have 50 percent chart physios 50 percent uh, either sports therapists or sports rehabbers yeah and we've we've had that balance now for since we've had the business nearly 17 years, it's always been that split on the basis. So we've always had that multidisciplinary skill set. Excellent. Brilliant. So it's good. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a bit different to Gem. I've spent most of my world in private practice, um, mainly growing and developing them. That was my background. It was kind of quick bit in football and then moved into private practice and got a bit giddy and tried to expand inc incredibly fast. And we, you know, we were very fortunate that in our in our early twenties, we managed to we actually made our business by buying um, liquidated and bankrupt physio practices around two thousand and eight. Which we were very fortunate. We so we were able to adapt and grow very very quickly, which obviously gave us a lot of early learning curves of how to build and grow a business and uh, a lot of challenges. And we realised that. We weren't very good at that bit. We were quite good at what we were doing as a clinical aspect, but as a business owner, there was certainly room for improvement, um, which was good because myself and my business partner, we, we we kind of knuckled down and really got took a lot of advice, a lot of support and managed to grow our businesses really well to the point where in 2012, when my daughter was born, I was actually able to step out of the business and literally do no clinical work which is a very uh, nice position to be in and I could kind of then play a different role uh, I got 
an opportunity, which is a very fortunate opportunity to work for a physio education company that were trying to put their products into private practices worldwide. So, you know, not a bad job to spend three years traveling the world, having conversations with private practices and how they worked in Finland and how they worked in America and Singapore and South Africa and looking at the variabilities from the UK to America and what are the differentials and the challenges that business faced all over the world. Um, and actually a lot of the problems, yeah, there obviously are some differences, um, but a lot of the problems come back to the fundamentals. So one of the things we were able to do was really try and hone on that, which then that experience then led me to be working in the consultancy field, which is where I've, I've kind of spent most of my, my current world is where I spend it now. Um, again, just analyzing, speaking to businesses, analyzing where they can improve. And I, I mean, the, the, the simple thing for me, Matt, is that most business owners, in my opinion, are, and especially in our industry, and if we think of healthcare and, you know, in the therapy industry, in business terminologies, we're all quite small businesses, which means that most of us are really hands-on. So we're still doing a lot of the doing element of it. So it's difficult for then step back and analyze your own business. So actually, you know, my job is to just take people out of their normal worlds, put them in a, <laughs> in, in a neutral ground and just take the time to help them explore um, what it is about the business. Now, Everyone, for me, any one of you can help your own colleagues in this because one of the things as therapists, hopefully, we're very good at is asking good questions to understand where people are in the world and where they want to be in the world, a bit like in a consultation. And that's kind of what we, you know, in my opinion, what I've spent the last seven years is asking businesses, where are you? Where do you want to be? And helping them facilitate that journey. You know, which is exactly what we do as a therapist, isn't it? You know, so, you know, the, the, the crossover between, and that's why I've always said, if you're a good therapist, you can create a great business because the skill set that crossover, if you just apply the same principles in a different way, and hopefully we're going to be covering some of those today. I think, you know, if you apply them, them skills you've worked so hard can actually give you a really, really successful career within in the therapy world. Fantastic. Yeah, Jemmy, you're nodding away there, agreeing emphatically with everything that um, Andy is saying. Yeah, and there's a, you know, there's a, re you know, I could have uh, got a lot of experience. I've chosen to work in Andy's clinic for a reason, you know, and he was very nice saying some stuff, but he's created an environment for his therapists where people want to work. You know, the retention at Summit, you know, is, is great. You've got staff members that have been there for 10 years and it's not always a bad thing that people move on, but, you know, therapists move around and do different things and choose, but, you know, they do create an environment where the staff want to work there and want to be there. You know, I'm working in a slightly different village. I'm building my own practice, but I want to stay involved with Summit because it adds to my development, learning and, and practice. So creating that environment for your staff will obviously then, therefore, like you said, there's a crossover with what you do for your patients as well. So, um, yeah, it's um, it's good. It's, it's a nice place to work, but it's important because we've all worked in places that we maybe didn't like. So you're going to get the most out of your staff if they're comfortable and they enjoy where they work. I think with that, I'll, I'll take that, I'll take that, Jim, thanks. But I think the big thing for me is that, and I guess if, if you enjoy where you work and you enjoy what you do, that comes across within you and your client, doesn't it? Mm. You know, and I yeah. think that's a really important thing. If you're in a place, if you're unhappy in work, or if you've got people in your team unhappy in work, then that is going to come across subconsciously, isn't it? And then, you know, if it, 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 we've all been to services where you can generally, we've walked in a, a restaurant or a coffee shop and you turn around and go, they definitely don't like their job, do they? You can tell, can't you? They don't want to be there, yeah. They, yeah, they don't want to be there. And, you know, and so I think if you want to build an environment where you want people to be in, you first of all got to build an environment where you're happy in, you know, and that's that's a really key I think, especially when we're talking around what we're talking about and client experience, mm -hmm. that the first thing you've got to do is, if you're going to build trust and rapport with anybody, then people in that clinic, even if it's the administrator or the anyone that's in that building with you, 
it's got to be in a good place, I think, because that whole that whole vibe is what people kind of buy into, in my in my belief. There's so many. I mean, Tim Allardyce last week made a good point that quite a lot of, particularly massage therapists and sports massage therapists, may be working by themselves. So they've only got themselves to have a look around the clinic and have a look at what they're doing and kind of and ask clients for feedback and stuff. And and really for them, they really do need to call on the you know the services of a professional, even another therapist, just to say, you know what, come in and let me know what you think. Because if you don't, you're just you're only seeing stuff with your own eyes, so you're not spotting anything which you don't like or any mistakes because you've you're not really critiquing it, are you? But I think now because of COVID, and we've said this a few times. This is, I don't know, maybe it's just the optimist in me, but I think now therapists are realising that talking to each other is quite cool and you can get a lot out of it because we have been through tricky times of needed support. So I like to think now therapists uh, have got less of a wall to kind of calling up someone else and going, you know what, I want you to come and kind of mystery shop my place. Come in as if you're a customer and let me know what you think you know, yeah. you like and we can talk about it and I'll do the same for yours. Because that's a start, isn't it? Um, so for people working by themselves, I think there's so much benefit from a multidisciplinary clinic but what advice would you give to someone who is for example renting a room in, in a gym or health center or something or and they haven't got that kind of feedback from other members of the team for me i think it all but it comes being honest with yourself you know it's one of those where i think if we all were honest there's all that thing even in the room that you could do differently you just procrastinate against yeah that, do you know what I mean? It's like the first thing we ever say with a business is, right, before we start anything, what things do you definitely know if money and time was an object to change? And you always come up with five for straight away. Yeah. You know, and, and we all do that. There's always five things that you think. And, you know, if it's, if it's even changing a flooring or repainting it or, you know, putting a plant in a room, even if it's a fake plant to give it a bit of green or something... You know, the, there is always those one thing that we always talk around we should do, but we sometimes don't find time to do. Or... Well, I don't think it's as relevant. I think the environment for me is, is spot on with the plant or the flooring. And I've worked on my own in little rooms in London and all sorts. And I used to buy fresh, fresh flowers. And for myself, it was for no one else but myself. Photos on the wall, do things, you know. And, and therapy and physio is changing. It doesn't have to be clinic, you know, suit, shirt, tie in a room, in and out anymore. If that's how you want to practice, then fine. But therapy is changing. You know, put the radio on, put music on, and just sort of step outside the box. That would be my advice if you're on your own. You know, are you comfortable in your environment? Are you doing something that you think you should do in a box with nice, clean clothes and a suit on? Or do you want to be in shorts and a T-shirt? Do you want to have pictures on the wall? Do you want to have the door open and have the music on? And, and if you're on your own and you're not happy in your space, you're not going to feel like Andy said at the start, it's not going to come across to your patients as well as like you said, Matt, just, just knocking on doors, going online, going, I'm on my own. What do I do? What do you do? Or try, or just looking around on forums and taking ideas off other people. And it is changing. I think it is a good thing. I think uh, one thing to come out of the past couple of years that it is, has pushed us into collaborating a bit more. Collaboration. And that's really great for the actual, the end result, which is the client, isn't it? Because collaboration and a, on a larger scale is really, you know, we know is going to have the greatest benefit for a client where we do share clients around and ask advice and rather than keeping them all for ourselves. I talk about collaboration though. You, you talk about if you, you know, if you're, if you build a good rapport with one of your clients, you know, we've all had one of those that will not be afraid to be honest with you. You know, um, you know, just say, look, if there was one thing you change in this room, what would it be? Now, if, people, if you ask that to five or ten people and they all come back with a consistent theme, then there's probably that one thing you'd bother do. You know, and, and again, it comes back to not, you don't, we, life doesn't have to be complicated. We can just, it, sometimes it's about being brave and asking the question to the, you know, to the client. But being comfortable with what they might tell you. Because, you know, sometimes we don't say something because... They're, they're going to say one of the obvious things that you know you need to do, but you don't want to do it. So you don't ask the question because they come back with that. Where actually, you know, if you ask that to 10 people and then you change that thing, that customer's going to come back and go, oh, my God, you've listened to me. That's brilliant. There again, does that strengthen and heighten the rapport that you've got with that person? Very cool. OK, so we're already coming up with some tips on how to kind of engage with the client and ask for feedback and be honest. Let's go way back. Where where does customer experience start for you? Where do you think some people miss it and could be making some changes? So 
And again, this is what we, we talked about. So I actually wrote an ebook on, and for people that um, listen to this, then I'm, I'm very happy to, so if they can, they want to email Andy at elevateyourclinic.com, then I'm happy to send them out. So for me, one of the things, if we're talking about customer experience, the first thing we have to, we have to consider is what kind of, what is it we're about? Okay. Because that should then start on marketing. Because we want our marketing should be telling them the story of what to expect when they arrive in the clinic. You know, and when you see generalized marketing, which is my bugbear of everything, so it'd be interesting what the social media says. If it's a generalized marketing that's focused on any any clinic and it could be any clinic in the world, it doesn't individualize yours. So then for me, a customer, when they arrive in your clinic, there's a, there can be a mismatching expectation, if that makes sense, you know? So I think for me, it all starts with you identifying what your product is. And I know I'm gonna use a bit of salesy stuff. So jump in the chat and fire off if you want. But <laughs> the, the, the one of the things for me is, what I mean by your product is, you know, even in the sports therapy world, there's a variations of how people might do treatments. Is that fair to say? Some people still might be rehab based. Some people might be more, you know, I can't remember what the heart grips based. They might be doing more cupping based, massage, acupuncture. So that could be your identity and your product of how you decide how you feel the right way to treat and help patients on their journey. So that should be your brand, your products that you're helping to market. And so for me, that's that's the first stage that you need to be thinking about is really taking about is who am I? What is my style? You know, we've got a very rehabilitation based clinic and you recognize that when you walk in and it looks like a mini CrossFit gym with weights and Pilates reformers and stuff, you know, you, you kind of walk in and go, they're going to make me do some exercise here. And actually, they're going to make me lift weights at some point. So, you know, our marketing has to be able to relate to our customers. We're not going to, a customer coming into our clinic and saying, you know, oh, I don't like doing exercise. I don't like doing rehab. We're, we're in the wrong place, Paul, you know, because that's our, that's our beliefs. That's how we do things here. So we're very, and you know, one of the things I would say to people is that it's about really recognizing, understanding what you do. And then how do you then market that out into the world would be my starting point. I think people also respond to people. So marketing, like Andy said, has to reflect what you're about. And I think we can get very stuck in a rut as a therapy profession at thinking that it has to be all clinical. The clinical stuff is good, but we've all seen it. Patients have seen it. People, people Patients and clients use Google you know, more than they ever have done to come up and, and not always in a bad way to educate themselves. But from a marketing point of view, they want to know about you. They want to know about what you do, you know, and they'll all be different things. And I think sometimes we're a bit afraid to share personal stuff on there about things that we do, either related to sport or this, the interest that you have or the clinic concepts that you have or what you do, whether you write books or, when, you know, and everything. But, you know, and patients relate to that. Patients want to come to people that are real. Um, that sounds a bit cliche, but they don't need to know always what how to treat low back pain. They don't always need to know, you know, and it is of course to have clinical content in there. But if I was a patient, I look at the fun side of marketing and what people are doing and the characters in the clinic. And, you know, where I've always worked, I've had the handles and done trips and done, you know, we put some stuff up for some badminton stuff that I was doing. And, you know, it might not be that they're actually looking and interested in badminton, but they look at a picture and see one of the therapists in Thailand and think, oh, that's a bit different, you know. And again, you know, not everybody would do that, but it's different. And I think sometimes we may be a bit scared. So my advice would be to push your marketing, push the boundaries, you know, think about what else you can talk about, about yourselves, you know, do a focus on team member of the day and what their likes and dislikes are and, and that sort of stuff. And that will pull people in, you know, not just about your clinical and what you do or how you're open. So. That's great. I think, yeah, I love that. I think so that's... That especially if you're a single, if you are a single practitioner, then actually it's easier to market because you can get your personality across. Whereas you've got a team of 10, 12, 20, mm -hmm. it's hard then to get individual personalities across, isn't it? So they always want to ring up and see a person. So mm -hmm. I think, 
it's not easy. Um, that's the wrong word, but it's easier than, you know, because what you can do is you can get your style and your personality across. And I think, and like Jen says, you, you, I think a lot of the world is people will buy from people or want to go and see people because you're almost starting to build that trust and rapport. Well, how people have it with the bios. Everyone has brilliant bios with different characters and people will look at that, you know, uh, with who they want to see. But why not take that into your social media? Why not take snippets of all of that fabulous stuff that people do on the bios and make it a feature of your marketing and bring people in to see your therapist, not just because they've got knee pain or back pain? That's really cool. I like the idea of when the customer comes in, they all they there's not a surprise there's not a letdown because if you're really into well music and red lights and waterbeds and all the kind of really nice cozy stuff then you don't want a client who's coming in who wants a bit more of a strength and conditioning thing to suddenly walk in and here it's kind of like they're gonna be freaked out so you need to put that into your advertising the same and vice versa yeah. i think sometimes maybe therapists think oh i'll surprise them with it kid and they smell majestic and they open the beads up and see me standing there this is really gonna surprise them but i i don't think yeah you're suggesting that clients don't want a surprise they want to know what they're going to get and they want it on the tin it's a brand isn't it that's how you sell yourself and like ask yourself who you are and what you want to do it you know i've done a lot of presentations before and what they call expectation matching and you know for me when we have a business to get a new customer so I don't, your social media will probably talk about this to, to do, you know, there's a lot of time, effort, energy, money, if you're going to be using Google ads and Facebook ads, right? And to even to make a video to put on YouTube, that takes you two hours. How many customers, how many clients could you have seen in that time? So there's a value to that. So for you to actually try and get a customer that you know is going to stay with you all the way through, you're going to get better value for money for your marketing. Or if you've done all of that, and like you've said, you get somebody that comes in, you know, really wants a heated bed and, you know, not talk and, you know, get the 80 quid oil out, then they're going to be gutted, aren't they? And they're not going to stay. So you might have acquired a customer and it's taken you five hours of your time and they've come for one appointment and they're unhappy. Good points. Really good points. You know, and the aim for me is when we, you know, if we want to build a successful business is we want everybody to not only come achieve a good outcome with us, but have an experience that they then want to go and tell their friends and family, because that's then that organic growth, isn't it? You know, that's the way that you can build and them telling their friends and family while they're off running or they're having a pint afterwards. Um, you haven't bought, you haven't paid for that. We, have, a, we must have about 20 families in our clinic that Andy and Adam have built over 20 years. And everybody that I see, because I see a lot of sort of Andy and Adam's clients now as well, and they say, oh, I'm a, I'm a friend of Andy, I've been coming. And you all have this little battle of who's been coming to Summit the longest. And they, you know, you treat friends and friends of this friend and that friend, and, and, it, and it works. And that is marketing in itself without even doing anything. And we have a lovely retention at the clinic and even my own sort of stats are good at that now people come and see me even though they're better every six weeks or so for little checkups little rehab checkups little fine-tuning bits they just like to touch base i think they like just like coming in um and and it's nice you know and that's hard and that takes time to build but it comes from a lot of the things that andy said is the environment that you work in and you create that environment and then people tell people um, and if they're happy with one or two sessions, they come back and they keep moving and they tell people. You know, and that creates an environment, doesn't it? So. Just just one thing on that. Sorry, we're, we're taking over your podcast here, me and Jim, aren't we? But, you know, <laughs> That's the idea. You didn't realise it. No, but you don't even get a chance to ask a question. Um, it, but the thing for that is, so if you are thinking about really, if you're listening to this now and you're thinking, actually, I probably do need to start setting my expectation. My suggestion would be, especially if you're using a CRM system or some kind of automated diary management system, is if it can send out an email, what we call a pre-arrival email. So kind of 48 hours, before, you know, and everyone got good at this, didn't they, COVID? Because they were sending out, you know, these forms to say, have you got these symptoms? If you haven't, don't bother coming and tick all these boxes and fill this form in before you come. If that email just included a little bit about what to expect when they arrive, you know, what to wear, you know, the simple things like, 
you know, you know, I still go and visit clinics that have patients turning up for lower limb injuries and they don't bring shorts. Mm. And you think, <laughs> you know, oh, I'll have to roll up. So having those or, you know, telling females that if they're going to be treated for a shoulder, wear appropriate clothing, especially if you're a male practitioner or even a female practitioner, I guess it doesn't really matter. But if that's sent out to people, then there's, there's no hidden surprises. They're not going to get there and go, oh, oh my God, I've, you know, even to the extent where we tell people, you're going to have to read something. If you need glasses, bring your glasses. Okay. You know, it, 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 it's, it, it's the whole, you know, what to expect from what you'll get when you arrive at the clinic. So everything there. So again, we're just starting to build in what to expect. And especially if you're growing a team, it also sets your standard. So... <laughs> And so from a business perspective, if you're telling the client, the customer, what to expect, then what we then do as a business is standardize the process. So now all of your team have to work in a similar way. So it doesn't matter if, like Gemma was saying, if she can see somebody that saw me 10 years ago, there's going to be similarities in the approach on the basis that we, we do things in a certain way so that, so that it doesn't matter who they see, they're happy because they can see either one because the approach is very, very similar. And I'm a lot nicer, I think. That's generally the feedback. Uh, that's <laughs> the feedback we get. You can't standardise that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I may be slightly too honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's brilliant. Loads of stuff in there all about pre-arrival, uh, making sure expectation um, um, is what the customer what the customer wants and expects is, is, is what they see and arrive with. So what about they're here now? They've come along. What about some gems for maybe the first consultation, things to improve their experience, um, which will make them want to come back and, and talk favorably about you? Do you want me to go first? Yeah, tell your coat story and let's do the coat story. <laughs> okay. My coat, oh, my coat story, yeah. oh God, yeah. And he does so, a great singing clinic, which I think is amazing. <laughs> so I didn't realize I did this. So I'll, I'll go. <laughs> the story goes, so a few years ago when we were, when we were expanding, I we got some funding to get a marketing expert to come in and literally, and to do this, they did a, they did a patient review. So we had to give, we had to ring up a hundred patients and ask them if this lady could ring them up and interview them. And she would randomly do it and she would ring. Anyway, one of the feedback was that I love coming to see Andy because when I come, he always hangs my coat up. <laughs> now, I've got I, I have got a weird obsession where I have to hang things on coat hangers. So in my clinic, there's, there's in the treatment rooms, there's coat hangers. So when someone takes the coat oh, off, nice ones, nice wooden ones. They are nice wooden ones. Wooden ones, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. There's no scrimping on that. But I put so I put the coat on the coat hanger, right? And even when people try and throw it on the chair, I go, no, no, come on, let's look after you. And the feedback was, if he cares that much about my coat, very good. I realized straight away how much he was caring about me. And, and it was something that I guess I just did naturally. But actually, that story kind of then related it back going, you know, that first impression, if we talk about, you know, was that, you know, and I'll always then at the end of a session, I will always take the coat off and give it back to them, even put it on. You know, it's one of those things, especially shoulder injuries you have to, don't you? But um, remember, we live in the Northwest, so everyone has to wear a coat. It's always cold. Always. <laughs> Um, so it can be your umbrella as well, and yeah, no, yeah. of course, yeah, it yeah, of course, out. yeah. Um, and, and the other thing for that is what we've developed, and one of the things that we run in our clinic is we break a consultation down into a three part. So we have so a consultation is broken down into what I would call cons consultation, education, and plan. Now, the consultation is simply for me, it's about understanding what it is that a client wants to achieve. So it's about understanding an outcome and then negotiating the reality of that outcome based upon your objective assessment, right? So, you know, if someone says, you know, I'll just snap my ACL and I want to run, I want to do the Ironman tomorrow, we might have to negotiate if the reality of that outcome or not, right? So it's about Asking those really good questions, which is probably a session I'm sure you guys have done about asking good questions about what it is the outcome. Now, like Jen was saying, I'm quite pushy with that. 
to go, oh, what, what do you want your world to look like? And if someone asks me, well, I want to run 10K, how fast? You know, so I'm quite inquisitive, quite, I'm quite a curious soul. And then once we've got to that point and we understand what they're really looking to achieve, we then, our role, I believe, is to coach, facilitate and mentor, basically, a person on a journey, okay? So what I then have to do is educate them on what that looks like. So why have they got it? And we've got big whiteboards, which if, if anyone's ever been in my clinic, there's always pen written all over. And we've got, the, you know, all the skeletal models that we can draw all on. And we spend our time just educating them on what's going on, why they've got the problem, how long it's going to take to get better. And then we actually tell them what the plan is going to be. So um, that's session one. We just kind of go, look, this is what your journey is going to be like over this time. This is how long roughly it's going to take. And we've even got uh, on the walls what the research says of average time frames for different common injuries so that it's there. Excellent. We've even put the references on in case we ever get challenged because you know what some people yeah. are like, you know. Um, well, I, I believe this. Yeah, you might get Meekin's brother walking or something. Yeah, good happen. He's <laughs> <laughs> more than welcome. We've got enough weights for him. He can come in this way. Um, but it's, so again, that's, and what we then do is, so again, it's about the, all that expectation, isn't it? We're, we're being dead honest with them, explaining to them. You know, I would call it that empowerment model where we are really helping them understand themselves. So that now if that helps with fear, if that helps with pain, avoid anything that we can be doing. But also it's that honest expectation. Um, I still feel, I don't know what your experience is between the two of you. So I'll open, I'll shut up and open it up. But that's still a part that I don't see in a lot of practices I go in. Done that well. They they do an assessment, they tell someone what's wrong with them and they say, right, I'll see you next week. They don't, you know, they might do the education really well. Where I, especially the businesses I sometimes work with, they don't plan, they don't tell the patient well enough exactly what it what it's going to look like and give them some, set the expectation for them. And that, and what we then do is every time they come back, we, we have the same philosophy. So come back and, you know, so what's improved, what's changed, what's done, right? So, you know, we talked around this, this is where you are from an education perspective, right? This is where you are in the plan relative. So now we're here, we're actually ahead of plan so we can leave it a bit longer. So we're constantly referring back to the same, and we, we that repetitive model. And what we found is if we, if we continue with that same framework every session, and I've implemented this in loads of different businesses, it's just a simple framework. And that alone is putting their um, their referral scores massively through the roof because people are walking out going, oh, wow, that's amazing. Now, I'm not saying people don't do it, but like we opened with, when we're busy, sometimes it's the basic things we kind of just, we forget to do or, you know, we're tired and it's the 10th patient at the day. You think, oh, God, here we go again. Let's just do this basic assessment. So, again, I think if you can find some good frameworks that you can follow very easy, for me, that's that's been a really successful thing that I think that has definitely helped lots of businesses. I think uh, we all do that. And, you know, you might be looking, listening to the breakdown that Andy's given and think, well, yeah, I kind of do that. But I think we may medicalise it. And, and I think the difference I've found, especially so since working with Andy over the past year, is that it doesn't have to be all medically based. You need to make it relevant to the patient. Yes, get that medical information across. Give them a clinical impression. Um, and, you know, there's other things that I'll suggest in a minute, which I think is useful that, pe that I don't think we do well enough as a profession. But it doesn't have to be like tendon pain. This is what you do. These are your exercises. Right, you need six sessions. This is your plan. It, you know, it's not about that. It's about, like Andy said at the start, what are their expectations? What does their world look like? How has it been affected? And what do they want to go back to? And that's it, you know, that, that you focus every all of your attention, all of your clinical skills then into what they want and make it specific to them. And I think we all do that. And I, I, I think maybe it comes with experience um, of seeing different people over different times and looking at the way different people practice. 
But I think sometimes we're a bit scared of just having a conversation and chatting and, and throwing the rule book out the window and saying, right, well, where do you want to be and is that realistic? Now, not only are you making it clinically relevant and focusing, you know, the rehab or the manual therapy on what they need to achieve, but you're also building a rapport with the patient. You know, they'll leave then going, actually, they listen to me. I do now have an idea of what's going on and it's relevant and I can see where I am. Now, sometimes it might not be what they want to hear. So you need to be honest and you need to say, actually, you know, we need to expand this expectation a little bit. But the rapport with the person is the thing, I think, for me, which is massive in the room. You know, you can build the rapport and some people you'll get on really well with naturally. Some people, obviously, you're a bit tougher to, to talk to for whatever reason, uh, whether they're a bit introvert or they're scared or they've had a bad experience. Um, but I, you've got to work on that. You know, you all know your stuff clinically. You know, we're all competent. We're working privately or in different areas. It's the rapport and the communication with the patient and getting them on board, which is sometimes the, the battle. And once you've got that and you've got them, you can relay different bits of information. Um, I would argue that if anyone is looking to do a course, if you've never done a communication report or anything like that, that would be, you know, half the students that we get in our, um, I think, hate shadowing me or coming anywhere near me because of the fact that, but it's one of those things where that's the big thing I say is, look, you, the anatomy and physiology, you're going to be dead good at. You've just got to get good at people because there's no point you having that information in your head. If you can't articulate that, to them to understand, then you're never going to get a buy-in. And I'll, my argument is the difference between a good therapist and a great is that difference. It's a good one, knows their stuff, can articulate it really well, is really well read, really well referenced. A great one is the ability to get that through to anyone that walks into your clinic. Mm -hmm. And I think there's it's the people skills that I think is the difference. And that, I mean, we spend, Gem, that's part of our CPD training. You know, part yeah. of our CPD training is how to have uncomfortable conversations. And motivational interviewing as well. Ash James talks a lot about this and his, you know, new role at CSP and all of the leadership type stuff. You know, you may think about that and think, well, that's nothing to do with therapy. But it is. It's people. It's knowing yeah. how to talk to people and get it across. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, we mentioned that a few times. And, and still, I think it's particularly sports massage particularly anybody who's gone through a massage background and whether they're a massage therapist or sports massage therapist their training has and still looking at most kind of um syllabi is is it lacks that and you still hang out in facebook in the shadows and it's still what cpd can i do is basically what else what other technique can i use with my hands and people still haven't got the idea that let's learn something you can do with your mouth and your ears rather than just always something else to poke and rub and I, I combine the two Matt I do combine the two I'm a big still a very big manual therapist I have a 50 50 split I I treat the people in person in front of me and make it relevant it always has a big rehab em em emphasis but I don't think we can underestimate the uh, advantage of touch and sensation and being able to get this information across when people are in a relaxed state or are you know um starting to get their pain under control and feeling a little bit better then you're just constantly sort of you know talking at them get them into a, a position that's, that's sort of comfortable and use those skills at the same time i don't sit there talking at people i have a conversation and then i talk to them either in the gym or we're doing some pilates that i do quite a lot or i do some sort of release work or i do some or whatever we're doing the information is flowing that way that takes time i guess and, and, and confidence to do but it doesn't have to be a structured right we do this right we do this you know you can change your practice around to suit that comes back to you being the chameleon though isn't it and the ability to to understand what is needed to develop rapport and trust with this person mm -hmm. or how do i adapt my style of communication to articulate this you know you um you know we all know different personality styles don't we and i think that the fact is i think when the penny drops that you, if you've got to realise you've got to be the one to articulate differently, you know, it, I always refer to it. It's like, you know, when people go abroad and they're in Spain and you, you the typical Brit thing of when someone can't understand you and you just talk a bit slow and a bit louder, but still in English, it's the same, it, it, you know, it's, it's like exactly the same with a client that if they, whatever you're saying, if they, you're getting that blank glazed look, what you're saying, they're not, 
recognizing. So you've got to recognize that body language and go, okay, I've got to adapt. You can't just come out and go, they're a crap client. They didn't, they're a bit thick, weren't they? You know, at the end of the day, my suggestion is you've got to look inwards and go, right, how do I change? How do I improve my style so I can articulate things better? I had a patient, I had a patient this morning say to me that she'd been to a, a different physio and they struggled because she was told to go away and think about where her pain was, but she couldn't describe it. So she was asking me, it was a family friend actually, asking me how to describe to a different therapist where the pain was. And I just turned around and said, that's not your job. Your job is to articulate what you can. It's the therapist's job to ask the right question. And also, if you can't describe where your pain is, they should therefore know what's going on because that tells you quite a lot. Well, and another one's come out and said to me, right, I've just come out from seeing Jen this morning. Right, I've, I've had this back problem 20 years. Why is no, no one ever explained to me that? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I have I have not been in the room. I says, you know, oh my God, she's just literally told me something that from listening that I now understand about me that I can do something about. So again, he's bouncing, you know, you don't that's the first time you'd seen him today, and he's bouncing down the street thinking he's he's buzzing because he's found something about himself he can do something about. You know, and, and I think, you know, that's how you build a reputation, isn't it? That you know, that you know, people like that want to go out and go, oh, my God, guess what? You know, it's in half an hour, you, you can't... go back to basics, I think. Always go mm. back to basics. And, but again, I think you've said it. It's it's that, it's the it's the human to human idea, isn't it? And, you know, even if people listening to this are still Zooming or whatever, you know, it's still a human to human contact, isn't it? It's still having that ability to have a good conversation, listen and respond in a way that they understand. Fantastic, right, because time is, I mean, we could spend a whole, obviously, an hour on just the actual consultation, but let's imagine now the client has um, had a fantastic hour or whatever with you, and they felt listened to, and you managed to combine whatever you're doing with the communication, give them a clear plan, they felt really involved in the process. They've now gone on their way, bumping, buzzing down the street, like, what's his name, after knowing about his back? Yeah. What do you do? What do you think some therapists fail? Where do you think some therapists fail then on continuing that great customer experience? Well, I think Tim touched on his last on the last time that people didn't book in. Now, for me, if you've set the plan right, people should be walking to the desk knowing they need to book in. Yeah. Because you've already set it. So for me, that plan stage, there's no people shouldn't be walking out the door thinking they're not booking in. People should be walking to the laptop to go or to your diary to go, okay, so when are we coming back? Because we need to get to this phase, this phase, this phase. So hopefully if that's been done well, and if people walk out, then you know you've got your plan phase wrong, so you need to improve that. Um, so for me, that's, you know, that, that bit should be done because people should know. And in fact, one of the things that we suggest is that if the, especially if we know someone is going to have to need some regular contact time, is to say, if this time works for you, why don't we pre-book these? So they've got them in, because there's nothing worse, is there, when you, you know, you've got familiar. We've all been injured and you've all had to go back and you've gone, do you know what, 10 o'clock on a Wednesday suits me. It's a perfect time. And then you go, oh, I can't do 10 next week, actually. I've got somebody else in. When can you do? I've only got 9 o'clock on a Thursday. Oh, I can't do that. And then it changes the experience. So one of the things we all suggest is, look, if this works for you and we know we're going to have to see you over the next, you know, what we can then do, say, if it's going to, let's say it's six weeks, but you know by week three you're not going to need them, then we can start taking them out the diary and they can become available for other people. But one of the things for us is that's something I would suggest most people do because the client then knows they can keep that appointment free in their diary and it, it doesn't get mixed up so they can get optimal care and recall you... is important as well and there's, there's software ways of doing this but clients that you haven't seen and andy's just set up some new ways of doing this in our clinic but you can do it anywhere you like if you're a smaller clinic or a one-man band look back in your list i when i used to work in different i used to have a list of people and i'd see when i last saw them and if it was over a month i'd just drop them an email and i think you know just Yes, that's time and it's admin time, but that's a retention. And sometimes people have every intention of coming back in, but they're a bit like, oh gosh, yeah, yeah, no, no, you remind me. We've, you know, set up a text message service, which, you know, Andy can 
the you know uh, but people are like oh yeah no I, I've been meaning to book in for ages and I came two years ago and I haven't found someone that good so yes and, and you know I've had we've had quite a few from just jogging people's memories now you can set that up with software that does it all for you well, which or you can do it the last time didn't he yeah so ours is fully automated so within 24 hours of you having your first initial appointment it actually sends you a text message to say tell us about your experience and if it, if you rate us a 9 or a 10 which luckily 96% of people do um i didn't know he got scored Pardon? Oh, you, oh, you get bored, Jim. Don't you worry. Yeah, this is a score. Um, uh, oh, that's it. Is a bit got total data. It's this big brother with data. Um, if you get nine or ten, it automatically sends them the link for Google to say, "Will you just please rate us on Google?" Brilliant. So straight away, what we get, and that's all automated. So there's no admin involved in that, and it just takes them straight to Google. They write the review, five stars. Brilliant. And that sends us an email to say, just to let you know, you've been given another review. Wonderful. You can, um, do, it, you can do it manually as well, because that is br- a brilliant way of doing it, obviously. But if you are a one-man band or sports massage therapist or, you know, a starting out sports therapist, you know, you can, I would just keep a log, keep a client log, you know, do simple spreadsheets, well, find out when well, they last came in, drop them an email, make contact, you know. So, well, Jen, yeah. the other thing we've got in clinic is we've got a flyer. So for people that, and we hand them a flyer, and it actually gives them step by steps how to live, a, how to leave a Facebook and Google review. Mm-hmm. We hand that to them to say, you know, please do this. We leave us a review, please, and we'll hand it to them. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, again, it's the simple things like that. Um, but again, I think what Jen was saying, you know, for me, what I would then do, you know, talking about completing the journey, is that. Even once people have finished, it's, you know, asking them, are they all right for us to continue to contact? So we send a newsletter at least once a month, just telling us what's going on. And they're quite personal. You know, we've had our ops manager went and did Ben Nevis to raise money for Bolton Hospice. So it was talking about her journey, how she got on, you know, the things that we're doing internally in clinic, all those kind of things. And then we put a bit of our blogs and stuff. So again, for our clients, if they've missed them and haven't seen them on social media, because um, social media for me is a bit hit or miss, but at least if you're hitting them once a month and there's three or four decent articles that are relevant to them, and we're, we have gone a bit geekish and a bit techy, so if you we've got software that will actually, if they've come in for a lower back injury, it'll actually send them lower back uh articles or if they've been in for a shoulder so the software kind of see understands what they're in for and i'll actually email them just shoulder stuff or just lower back stuff or just knee stuff to say hope you're well just keeping on top of your lower back here's some stuff for you so and you know and there is an expense to that it's actually still cheaper than trying to get new customers to actually bring our own database backgrounds or that then gets shared with their friends and family so again, we find that, you know, what we call that raving fan culture. So you've got your own customers are wanting to share your content. It's interesting. I was going to ask, like, I mean, I've got the impression that sometimes therapists overestimate how much these automated things could actually cost. But when you compare it to how much it's going to cost you either not doing it, which is the most common outcome because you haven't got time or spending two hours doing it or something, it's not as expensive as one might imagine. Well, you know, for me, and that's the thing, you know, one, if you val- depends what you value your time at, doesn't it? You know, mm-hmm. if you're valuing your time at, if it's £45 for half an hour, so it's £90 an hour, if you're taking two hours to do it, it's 180 mm-hmm. quid, and you're probably not that good at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you get a professional, it might cost you 75 quid, and they'll do it in an hour. So, yeah. you know, what could you be doing with two hours of your time? Well, you could be painting the wall or going to buy a plant from Ikea, exactly. to, you know, to, to make sure that your top five's done as well. So, you know, or sleep or go yeah. on a communication course or, you know. Nicely pulled back round. I like it. It's good. <laughs> We've done the whole circle. Um, and we could have easily have stayed for longer on any of those different steps. Did quite a lot of what we've mentioned, did you say is in that ebook? Yeah, totally. there, yeah, 
exactly. So you, I'm, I'm very happy to share that with anyone. So. Andy's, Andy's brain in a book, that's what it is. It's what, sorry? Andy's brain in a book, that's what it is. <laughs> oh, God, that's the scary thought, isn't it? But yeah, that's, not, some... that's not marketing, that is it, very well. Yeah. <laughs> um, Again, it's just how I see the world and what we should be considering and what we should be thinking about and putting in some really simple and easy formats, yeah. Well, I think the biggest take-home, which I've heard from you guys, from Tim as well, is, again, it depends so much if you're by yourself, if you're with a team, what kind of product you're giving. It's all very individual, isn't it? And and sometimes you need to ask a professional to have a look at your business and come up with these ideas because there's not a quick fix. There's not one kind of rules one to temperature is going to suit everybody's businesses there it's very much an individual thing and we've got to step out the comfort zone a bit haven't you as well i think these things are a bit scary we all get a bit insular and we want to improve but we get very comfy it doesn't have to be scary you know people like andy and, and a few others that are very successful at this are very approachable and it could be just one or two things it doesn't have to cost you the earth but it might be one or two things you take away that makes a huge difference. So I think we need to start thinking outside a little bit, especially if you want to expand your practice. Mm -hmm. The feedback was interesting. We've mentioned a few. I was going to put a question in, but we're running out of time. But you've mentioned the Google is a great way of getting feedback and also helping that feedback, you know, um, produce more business as well. So kind of two versus one stone. There was a question here. So I've missed a few questions, people. I was just listening to these two. Obviously, you understand. But um, Becky was saying, going back a little bit to when we were talking about premises, Becky Carroll says, I changed location last year due to COVID. I set up an online survey, which I sent to my clients to get feedback on the new premises. It was really useful. So that's going to be a taste thing, can't it? You know, so you might think it's beautiful. But if the majority, like you say, Andy, if, if 10 people say, well, I'm not quite sure about, you know, that and that, you might have to bite the bullet and go, right, I like it, but no one else seems to like it. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, but you know, I've always said this, some of your strongest critics will be your best customers, aren't they? Because mm -hmm. they, they, you built that trust so they, and they'll be honest with you. You know, one of the things that you, most people ask for feedback is people go, yeah, it was lovely. Just like when you go for a restaurant, even when you're unhappy with it, yeah. it's that classic thing in it where you go, that's a bit cold. And they come over and go, how was your meal? Yeah, perfect. Thanks very much. And then you start moaning to your mates again. Order another bottle of wine, even though the service is poor. Um, so, you know, you don't, sometimes it's hard. So it's, We've all got those customers that we know will be blunt if we ask him. And it's just being brave enough to ask. I still do. I still ask them about, right, just do us a favour. What would you change? Well, I wouldn't have that. I wouldn't have that. Right, cool. <laughs> you know, so you're, you're always looking all the time to improve, aren't you? I've got one last question from Nikki, which I would love, if you're okay for time, to get your thoughts on. Um, I'll put it up on the screen. If you listen to the podcast, and basically what I'm doing is just bringing up the question onto the screen. Um, and Nikki's uh, logo appears there. And Nikki Mansfield says, is there something to be said for doing an exercise where you scope out your ideal client, not just injury types or MSK dysfunctions, but personality, et cetera, too, and shape your marketing around that? I think yes. And um, Catherine Spencer-Smith, I don't know if you know the clinic Ninja, what's her tag, what's her company called? She does yeah. lots of stuff on being a... Um, avatar and maybe that's switching it around but an avatar yourself and what you like to treat so turning that in its head and we did an exercise in a clinic I used to work out with Lisa McDonald in London where we had to tell her what what we like to treat and you know I was lucky with again we lived in a big team so people could go actually I've got near might see that person or might see that person but that had personalities in it as well I absolutely think that that is a great exercise and there's a various there's various number of people that can do that um, but Catherine Spencer-Smith, definitely, I would look at some of the work that she's done and some of the writing she's done on that because she is all about um, expanding yourself outside of a clinical model and looking at how you can attract certain patients or you can treat certain patients depending on what you want to do and what you like to do. So. Yeah, and just to add to that, no, I've, I've seen some of that, that she has got some really good stuff. The, the, the addition to that is I saw a model where they explained it as, you know, like an archery circle. So if you aim for the bullseye, then you you are going to get periphery people, aren't you? So if you're looking for a 45-year-old female that likes to run 5Ks and has got two kids, for example, and it's called Barbara, then, you know, and it looks like this and have a picture. And that's stuck in the... It, you might not want to stick it on a, an Archie's board because you might get done for that. But what I'm saying is... But imagine if that's your target audience. 
Well, then you're also going to pick up other 45-year-old women that might not be runners, or you might pick up other runners that aren't 45-year-old women. But if you're, but you're going to get the peripheries, aren't you? Whereas if you just aim randomly peripherally, you can get a lot of misses. So I've always thought that you know if you can be quite specific in how you market, but plan on different traits. So you're after the women, or you're after the knee, or after the runner. But it's all aimed at the one thing. Then you are going to pick up all the other. So you get picking up different personalities, but of similarities, if that makes sense. Pretty exhaustive answers there, Nikki. I'm, I'm impressed. Well, I'm impressed at you two. I'm so learning. That's great. Nikki, if you want to um, do a follow-up question for that, feel free. But I hope that's answered. What was the name again of the person you mentioned, Catherine? Catherine Spencer-Smith. It's called Private Practice Ninja, she is. Private Practice Ninja. There you Ninja. go. Sounds like something to have a look at, Nikki, if you're not already aware. Yeah. Um, she's a sports med doc, isn't she? She's a sports medicine consultant, yeah, but has yeah. A lot of, she spends a lot of time helping clinicians develop, develop their practice. Uh, yeah. And the thing, there's lots. I mean, there's loads of it. If you things like if you're looking at things like that, like HubSpot, which is a big CRM system, they have a free learning academy which talks all around inbound marketing as well. So, and that's free. So you can, you know, they've got loads of resources that you can just tap into, and they have like a whole learning academy. So if you're looking to do things like that, you can uh, you can check those out. Brilliant. I'll make sure they go into the show notes as well. Well, look, guys, it's already eight minutes past nine. I've kept you past your bedtime. eight minutes. Apologies for that. But um, uh, excellent. Great advice in there. Um, as always, people, if you want the conversation to continue, then feel free to use the YouTube place. Might be a good place to go to put some comments in, some questions. It doesn't have to stop here just because the episode's over. Um, and if you've got, if you want to get in contact with our guests, where, where are you most prolific these days? If people want to follow you and see what you're up to, which of the... Uh, social media sites are you more likely to yeah i'm mine's probably just a facebook group i'm actually having a bit of a a, a break uh just not for any negative reason just have a bit of a refresher we talked about it just didn't we before the air i just felt like the pandemic everything was very online um mm. i think just taking a bit of a break from uh, online stuff but yeah please facebook group can find me in there we'll put that link up that's where i'll be facebook group fantastic physio and therapist support group and for you andy People want to see yeah, what you're Andy, up to. Andy at elevateyourclinic.com. Just drop mm-hmm. me an email. Happy to have some virtual coffees. I can send you my virtual coffee link <laughs> and we can uh, have coffees. And if you're in the Northwest, then we can even meet for coffee. How about that? And, Andy, and, and interestingly, that's how Andy and I's relationship started. You know, we met through doing webinars with Jack and a few other people um, and then started to discuss some other sort of business opportunities. Um, and then realised we lived closer. I wanted some work, and, and the rest is history. And now he can't get rid of me. So yes, you never know where your networking will go. So <laughs> excellent. Right then, um, if you two can hang around just for another minute, when I shut the loud lounge, the live lounge, because I just like to say thank you personally. And um, people, thanks so much for joining us, especially if you joined us live. It's always lovely to see live people joining us. It's great. I know it's so many other things you could be doing on Tuesday night at eight o'clock. But if you want to take the opportunity to network, to ask questions to the guests directly, then it's every Tuesday um, at eight o'clock um, UK time, which is GMT plus one at the moment. And just head to the uh, Sports Therapy Association YouTube channel. And there we go live. I do put adverts out. If you want to follow the STA underscore UK, then you'll know what's coming up. But again, this month is all about uh, focus on business. So next week we will be talking to a special guest, uh, Gilly Woodhouse, specifically about social media marketing. And it'll be interesting to compare um, what Gilly comes up with, compare what we've heard in the, the, this episode and the last episode as well. Um, so do join us for that if you want to. If not, as always, we'll be on podcast, your favourite podcast app. Remember, you can get direct links to them if you go to the sta.co.uk. Um, but I think as far as that goes for tonight, thanks again uh, to Gemma Oliver and to Andy Hosgood for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we'll see some of you hopefully next week. Take care. Thanks, Matt. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy.